Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. In this series, we've been digging into uh, our new why statement. Uh, this is something we just dropped a couple of weeks ago. A new re like the the Lord, the the Holy Spirit has recalibrated. I kind of like that. I just came up with that uh, that that word recalibrated our vision as a church. Uh, up until then, uh, the vision was uh, we exist uh, to point those far from God to life in Jesus. And for nine years, that worked for us. Uh, but then a couple weeks ago, we, we unveiled this. We dropped this on everybody. This is something that's been about uh, I want to say like 10 to 12 months in the making. So this thing's been in the oven for a while, but it's been in there for even longer than that. It's been in the heart of God since the beginning of eternity, right? Like, so God knew this long time before Vertical Church was even dreamed about. He knew there would be a church and this would be their why. We exist to lead people to pursue the presence of God so that they openly display his love, grace, and power throughout Hampton Roads. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been taking that statement and really digging into it. What does that mean? What does that look like? And so today, we're going to focus on this bottom line throughout Hampton Roads. And I want to be honest with you, as we were dreaming this and God was kind of just downloading uh, this this new why statement into our hearts, um, I thought for a long time about leaving out that part, leaving out the throughout Hampton Roads part, because check this out, like we're, like I just said, YouTube, all that Facebook, like, hey, if you're on your phone right now, open up your Facebook app, check in, let your friends know you're here, invite them to come with you next Sunday, okay? Um, we're online, like, do we really want to put throughout Hampton Roads when it's like a global world, man? And we got people watching online, hey, online, we, we love you, we, we're grateful that you're watching this, that's awesome. We got people, check this out, like, We've got people in other countries who attended Vertical Church for, while they were here, stationed here, but now, uh, because they're in the Navy, they've moved away, but they're in another country, and they haven't found a church home to plug into, so they actually just gather some people together in their living room and watch our videos online. So do we, should we really have throughout Hampton Roads? Well, Pastor Josh, don't you see a day when we're like beyond Hampton Roads? You know, we want to go beyond that. Yes, I do. I'll let you know right now. Like, you might look around and say you're crazy, and I might be a little bit crazy, but I see the day, man, when our reach is beyond the geographical scope of Hampton Roads. Like, we're reaching into other parts of North Carolina, other parts of Virginia, maybe even up on the, the eastern shore. I don't know, but but I see that as, a, as, as something God wants to do through us. So the question of, like, why should we include throughout Hampton Roads? Don't you think that limits what God wants to do? And And here's kind of what the Lord said to me about that phrase. Yes, we see a day where where our church, our influence is beyond Hampton Roads. We want to go there. Wherever there is, we want to go there. And we believe we will go there. But if we don't start here, we'll never get there. If, If we don't start here, We'll never get there. Do you see this? What well, this is? This is a little fun part about not only being like the preacher, but also the graphic designer. You see this little uh, logo, like graphic part here. Actually, just go to the next slide. It's a big version of that. You see that? Like, like that's 
that's actually not just like a little um, f- flare. <laughs> that's not like a little button of flare that they wear at like Fridays. That actually has meaning to it. And you don't know the meaning, so I'm going to unpack the meaning for you. There's actually intention behind that. So this circle represents the presence of God. How, you know how like the presence of God is all-encompassing? It circles around you. I don't know if it's the message or the passion translation. Several times in the book of Psalms will translate a, a, a passage, and it'll say the wraparound presence. I love that. Because that's what we want to lead people into is the the presence of God, the wraparound, all-encompassing, bigger, larger-than-life-itself presence of God. And you know what the X stands for? Multiplication. We We want to see the presence of God multiplied all throughout our area. The presence of God multiplied. I love this quote. From John Wesley, the the founder of the Methodist Church. He said this, check this out on the screen. John Wesley said, I look upon all the world as my parish. And, And we'll use that to justify like missions and talk about, yeah, we need to get into all the world. We need to get all the world. But then so many people will end the quote there. And I think they missed the best part of what Wesley said. He said, I look upon all the world as my parish. Thus far, I mean that in whatever part of it I am, in whatever part of the world I find myself, whether I'm, I'm in England or Georgia or whether I've traveled to wherever I'm at in the world, I judge it meet, right, and my bounden duty. Now, I know we don't talk that way today, but you can kind of get the gist of what he's saying. He's like, there's this passion burning in my heart that, that I have determined that it is my duty, that it is the, the, the call of God on my life. Look what he says, to declare unto all that are willing to hear. In whatever part of the world I'm in, I have this burning passion in my heart to declare to everybody that will listen to me the glad tidings of salvation. The good news of Jesus Christ. What would it look like, church, if if we gave every man, woman, boy, and girl, like Wesley said, in whatever part of the world we are in, and the part of the world we're in right now is Hampton Roads, what if we gave every man, woman, boy, and girl in whatever part of the world we're in the opportunity to experience the presence of God? What if we lived with that passion. Go back a slide to that circle and, and, and X. What if we lived with the passion to see the presence of God multiplied everywhere we go? So much so that we pursue his manifest presence. That's a word we've been using, manifest. It means clear and obvious. Where the presence of God is clear and obvious, we say we've experienced or encountered God. When we encounter God, lives are changed transformation happens. And so what if we determined that we're going to pursue his presence so much that it's all-encompassing and that it multiplies and saturates this geographic location, all of Hampton Roads, so that they can be found and freed and filled. So let's jump into that last Section Those last three words, throughout all of Hampton Roads. You can go to a blank slide. It's totally cool. Uh, throughout all of Ham- throughout Hampton Roads. Um, you can look around. 
uh, and tell that we are in vacation season, right? Like usually that you can, like several of you, if this is your home church, you look around and you're like, they're not here, they're not here, they're not here. Where are they at? They're on vacation because it's that time of year. It's the summer, right? Like, like come on, eight, uh, statistics say that 80% of us, 8 out of 10, will at some point this summer take a vacation. That's awesome. I'm not fussing at anybody for taking a vacation. I think you need to take a vacation. Get away, rest, rejuvenate. Let the Lord pour life into you. I think that's awesome. So let's do this. Raise your hand if you've already been on a summer vacation or you've got one planned before September hits. Just raise your hand. Like, put your, You've been on one or you've got one planned. Come on, come on. Okay, cool, awesome. I think that's great, man. I think... I think we might be, actually we are, uh, well, we, depending on where you fit generationally, if you're a millennial, you are part of the most vacating generation in the history of the world. Like, you just want to go on vacation, and you don't care where you go, because you'll just hop on Airbnb and sleep on somebody's couch. It's cool, and that's awesome. I think that's really cool. Think about, I, I love what Jim Gaffigan says about a vacation. What is a vacation? It's nothing more than eating in places we've never been before, right? Like, what is a vacation? It's like, well, we're here. Uh, I'm kind, maybe we should go get something to eat, and then on our way to getting something to eat, maybe we can stop and get something to eat. Like, that's vacation, right? Like, let me eat all that I can eat, and let's call it a vacation. And... and Social media doesn't make vacationing any easier on, the, on those of us who are not vacationing because we're just living vicariously through your posts. We're seeing your pictures and, and FOMO is creeping up on us and it's like, oh man, I wish I was there. I wish I was at the beach. I wish I was in the mountains and that place doing that. That looks so relaxing. I just want to get away. <laughs> I want to I get away from home because... Let's just be honest, man. Sometimes it's hard being home, right? Like, because, because here's the deal. Home is where the real you lives. Home is the place of spit-ups and spills and, and clutter and stains. Home is the place where laundry piles up on your couch and nobody's there to fold it for you. you know. But, but home is, like, I don't want to downplay home because not only is home challenging, but it's also rewarding. Home is the place of first words and first steps. And, and home is the place where you've got your favorite seat on the couch that fits your behind perfectly. You know what I mean? And when one of the kids sits there, you're like, get up out of my spot. What do you mean your spot? I thought we didn't have seats on the couch. I do. I bought the couch. Get up on the floor. You know? Home, home isn't just our home, but home is also like where we work. Home is board meetings and expense reports and appointments. And that can just be draining. But it's also awards and promotions and, and add a boy. <laughs> add a good job, you know? But sometimes, like, it's, it's like, we, we just want to get away, man. I just want to get away from home. Sometimes we can be in home so much that it's like everything is too close. Just somebody quit touching me, you know? Like, don't touch me right now. I need my personal space. I need to get away from home. So I want to I share with you a message today titled, Go Home. Go Home. Look at your neighbor and say, Go Home. Go Home. Not right now. About 30 minutes from now, okay? Unless you're 
part of the teardown team, and then you'll go home after teardown. So go home. Uh, We're going to look at this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 8. It's a passage that I came across in my Bible reading plan. Uh, Most of the time this passage, I think about it, uh, if this is Luke's account of a story that's recorded in in the first three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, typically I think about this story in the book of Mark, but In my reading plan, I was reading this, plug reading plans, hello, somebody. Like, if you don't have a reading plan, that is the way I read the Bible, y'all. Like, I am not disciplined enough to read the Bible without my reading plan. Like, it's on my phone, YouVersion app, plug for Craig Groeschel, Life Church. They're amazing. Thank you so much. Um, you, You got the Bible at your fingertips. Like, can you imagine what Paul would have done if he had the Bible on a phone? A dude was like... We would cherish to be you, have access to the, to, the, to the Bible that way. Anyway, Luke chapter 8, we're going to be picking up verse 26, and we're going to go all the way to verse 39. And uh, along the way, I'm just going to share some just kind of running commentary uh, through the passage because I think Luke's main point, he saves for the very end of the story. And we're going to get to there, but first we've got to kind of go through the story to understand it. Verse 26 Luke says, then they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. So Jesus had been on one side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, He had just done a bunch of miracles, and that's awesome. They crossed the sea, and and if you remember this, if you're a Bible person, if you're not, like you're welcome here. Some of us aren't Bible people. Some of us are, like we know all the stories. Um, When they crossed the Sea of Galilee, a storm came up. And in fact, the storm was so violent, Jesus, of course, is just sleeping because it's awesome to have that kind of peace. That's how Jesus rolled. He had so much peace, he could just sleep through a storm. But the disciples get nervous, and they wake Jesus up, and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? And Jesus is like, yo, chill, you and the winds and waves, okay? And so he calms the winds and waves, and they make it to the other side. And when they get there, verse 27... When he got out on land, look at this, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. And then Luke starts sharing some information about this guy. He says, for a long time, he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house, but in the tombs. So the boat lands, they pull up to the dock, they tie the thing off, they get out of the boat, and as soon as they step on land, here comes this crazy man naked, like come, like buck naked, man. He comes running up to him, and can you imagine the disciples' reaction? Yo, Jesus, can we go back home? <laughs> like, that would have been me. Like, this guy comes running up to you naked from the graveyard? Uh, Jesus, I'm out, dude. Like, I'll be in the boat. Like, you do your thing. When you're ready to leave, like, I'll be there. Let's go. Because this is just insane. And, and I don't, you know, you may, if you're new to church or Christianity or anything, you might be like, demon possession, like, is that even real? Uh, isn't that, doesn't this guy really just have like some kind of psychological disorder? Possibly. I don't know. It's a strange condition, though, if you read through the New Testament, it's not unfamiliar. Jesus is coming in contact with people who are demon possessed left and right. And so it's not, a, it's not outside of the realm of the New Testament. There's plenty of historical evidence to suggest that this is actually what we would call demon possession. Um, but I don't know. 
I don't know what's wrong with them. But I do know this, just because there are people in our world who like see a demon around every corner, right? Like everywhere's a demon, a demon here, a demon there, a demon everywhere. You know, like uh, it doesn't, it doesn't invalidate the reality that there are actual evil forces that can get a grip on a person. And not only that, check this out. Not only can an evil spirit grip a human person, but an evil spirit can grip a culture, can oppress a whole region, and a darkness can kind of settle over that area. So, they just crossed the lake. We're going to drown, Jesus, don't you care? Calm the winds and the waves, show up that they encounter this wild storm, Jesus quiets it, they show up on the shore, and now the storm that was raging on the sea is raging in this guy's life. So one of the questions we could ask is, okay, Jesus, you have the power and authority to calm, calm the winds and the waves on the sea. Do you have the power and authority when those winds and waves are raging in a human being. Can you speak peace into this situation? And so verse 28, and this is a really just perplexing passage and really interesting. Verse 28, when he saw Jesus, the guy, the demon-possessed guy, he cried out, fell before him, and said in a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, you son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torment me. For, and then Luke kind of fills us in, verse 29. By the way, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him, come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into deserted places. Something you should know about how the enemy wants to work in your life. He will always try to drive you into isolation, out of community and into isolation. And his goal, his purpose for you and me and for all of us is to leave us like this man, naked, bound up, and in self-destructive patterns of behavior. Like that's his end goal. And you need to understand that. That's not the point of the message today, but I think it's helpful for us to understand that the enemy's end goal is to leave us like this man. But God's end goal, hello, is to transform us and like, just like he does in this story. So when we look at this story and we ask some questions as it relates to our, our purpose and vision as a church, does this man need to be found? Yeah. Yeah, he's lost, man. He, he's wandering around sleeping in the tomb. He's sleeping in the graveyard. He's in the cemetery, man. Does he need to be found? Absolutely. He's wandering, lost, hopeless, needing to be found. Does he need to be freed? Yeah. Yeah, he needs to be freed. The dude is being seized by this demonic power that's, that's driving him into isolation. It's, it's breaking, the, like they're trying to bound him to like keep people safe, and he's breaking the handcuffs. He's breaking the chains. He needs to be freed from the grip of the enemy. Does he need to be filled? 
with the Holy Spirit, not this spirit, right? Like he's got something in him. He ain't empty, but he needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so here's the thing. His example may be extreme, but he is us, and we are him. He is the person you work beside of. He is the person you go to school with. He is your neighbor down the street. He's the parent of the kids, uh, the kid on your kid's soccer team. He is us, man. A, a human being in need of being found, freed, and filled. Yeah, it's extreme. Yeah, it looks a little crazy. But his reality is the same as us. Is this human being who's been attacked by the enemy and needs to be found by the love of God, freed by his grace and filled with his power. So what happens? Well, Jesus enters this conversation with him, verse 30. What is your name? Jesus asked him, which is actually a great opening line. Those of you who are getting nervous about inviting people to church, Jesus tells you how. Start off, what's your name? That's a really great way to begin a conversation. What's your name? Legion, he said, and pray to God they don't respond that way. Legion, because many demons had entered him. Verse 31, they begged him not to banish them to the abyss. Now that word abyss is the same word we use for sea or lake, into the water. Because check this out, this is really cool. Um, In that culture... Uh, the, the mythology was that like the, 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 the mythos, if you will, was that monsters came from the abyss. They came from the sea. Rome shows up in ships and comes in from the sea. So in their worldview, monsters reside in the sea. So when storms come up, and that's, the, that's Leviathan attacking. You know, the, the monsters come from there. So what happens when Jesus shows up on the shore of this, of this land, and, and this, this guy comes, and he's, de- he's, he's demon-possessed, and they say, don't send us into the abyss. Don't send us back from where we originated. Don't send us into the sea. So Jesus says, Or verse 32, a large herd of pigs was feeding there, feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs, and he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And what did the pigs do? They rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. The pigs are like, oh, no, we're taking you right back to the abyss that you crawled out of. So what happens when Jesus comes face to face with somebody possessed by the enemy? How does Jesus respond to it? He sends the enemy back to hell where he came from. This is what he wants to do in your life, in my life. Anytime the enemy attacks us and comes against us, Jesus wants to encounter him. And so Jesus, this story reminds us, Jesus isn't just a guy with some really good ideas of how to relate better to God and better to each other. He's not just one teacher among many. No, he is the one with the authority and power over everything in the physical world and everything in the non-physical world. So whatever the enemy can throw at us, Jesus has the answer for it. Amen? Somebody say amen. Amen. All right, let's keep on reading. We're not there yet. You're like, we're not there yet. No, we're still not even at Luke's main point for this whole passage. Check this out, verse 34. When the, man who, when, when the men who tended them, the pigs, saw what had happened, 
they ran off and reported it in the town in the countryside. Then people went out to see what had happened. Something, a miracle happens, people want to flock, see, well, what's going on? They want to see. So they were spectating. They came to Jesus and found the man the demons had departed from, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. That's interesting, right? Like they weren't afraid when he was crazy, but they're afraid now that he's got peace. Because for some people, the peace of God looks like craziness to them because they come from a different perspective. They're looking at the world through different lenses. So when you walk into your workplace and you're carrying the peace of God on your life and people look at you like you're crazy, how can you have peace in the midst of this storm? It's like, I don't understand what you, what, what's going on. It looks crazy to me. You just must be suppressing all of that. You must just be pushing it down. You're not dealing with reality. You're naive to, what, to, to, to the world. No, 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 I've just got the peace of God. I don't look like you because I've got a different spirit in my life. So they were afraid. Meanwhile, verse 36, the eyewitnesses reported to them how the demon-possessed man was delivered or saved. The word there is sozo. It means saved. He wasn't just delivered from the hand of the enemy. He was saved. He was rescued. Verse 37, then all the people of the Gerasen region, look at this, this is sad, man, asked him to leave them. They asked Jesus to leave because, Luke, Luke tells us, because they were gripped by fear. So, getting into the boat, he returned. He left. Can you imagine that scene? Jesus has just done the miraculous, man. He's taken this guy that chains couldn't hold and, 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 and ropes couldn't tie down running around naked, sleeping in the cemetery, cuddling up to tombstones. And he speaks peace into his life, brings deliverance, salvation, and it freaks them out so much that they're like, Jesus, you can't stay here. You gotta, you gotta leave. Isn't that interesting? Maybe even surprising. And I don't know. It is to me, but maybe it wasn't to them. Maybe, maybe the people in that area knew this man. They, they knew where he lived. They knew who he had attacked last. They knew the slurs that he would use. They knew the hatred and anger that flowed out of his life, they knew the evil that was filling this man. They had devoted time and energy and money to not only guard this evil, but to try to control this evil. Is it possible that a community can learn to live with the demonic forces around it so much so that they feel like they can partially control it. And so this evil might be evil, but it's our kind of evil and we get comfortable. It's a familiar evil, 
It's an evil, some maybe, that looks a lot like us. And so it's evil, but we know what to expect. It's evil, but he's our kind of evil. She's evil, but she's our kind of evil. And so when Jesus shows up and he he banishes the evil from this man, the fear that is awakened in the hearts of the people is a recognition that a power has just landed on the shore greater than the power that was in this man. And I don't know if I can control that power. We can kind of control him. See, when you're used to controlling something, and you come in contact with a power that you can't control or manipulate, it gets frightening. And not to mention the reality that managing this man's evil took the spotlight off of the evil that was in their heart. I don't have to deal with the evil in me because I'm dealing with the evil in them. But when Jesus heals the evil in them and banishes it and delivers them, now all of a sudden the spotlight is shining on my life. Jesus, get out of here, man. I don't want the spotlight on my heart. I'm happy with the way that I am. When the power of God shows up, it disturbs the entire community's way of life. And it messes them up. And yet, it's still not even Luke's main point. Let me, let me get you there. Verse 38. Let me wrap this up. Verse 38 and 39. The man from whom the demons had departed kept begging him to be with him. But he sent him away. Jesus sends the guy away. And he says, verse 39, Go back to your home and tell all that God has done for you. And Luke says, this is the last we hear about this guy. And off he went proclaiming throughout the town all that Jesus had done for him. Here's this man. He's been bonded for so long to evil that he's unrecognizable, and he has an encounter with Jesus, and he becomes so bonded now to Jesus because of what he's experienced, he looks around at the craziness in his hometown and he says, Jesus, I got to get out of here. Can I come with you? Can I go with you, Jesus? I just want to stay with you. And he begs him and says, Jesus, please, I don't want to stay here. I can't live around these people. They don't get me now. They don't understand me now. I just want to go with you, Jesus. These people are crazy. They're insane. Jesus, they're kicking you out. I don't want to be here. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll say whatever. Jesus, I'll carry your blue sash. I'll dye your blonde hair. I just want to stay with you. I don't want to leave. Don't make me leave. Please, Jesus, don't make me leave. Plus, Jesus, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If I stay with you, I can have a fresh start. If I go back home, they know who I used to be. They know all about my issues. They know all of the people I hurt. They know all the people I offended. They know all the people I betrayed. Jesus, I'm going to have to come face to face with people I've lied about. Jesus, I'm begging you, let me stay with you. And Jesus says, no. Go home. And I bet that's not what this guy wanted to hear. I bet that's the last thing he wanted to hear. And yet, at the very end of the passage, Luke tells us that his, that, that his dramatic 
yet brief encounter with Jesus was all that he needed to be a witness, a testimony. Because the people, remember, this is the town that's kicking Jesus out, right? The people of that area desperately needed a witness. And they're kicking Jesus out. So Jesus finds a guy and he says, you stay here. Because those people, they need a witness. They need a testimony to show what my love, grace, and power can do in a life. Jesus, Jesus, I want to be with you. I'll sell everything I own. Jesus, I'll move to China. I'll move to India. I'll go to Africa. No, no, no. I need you here. I need you here. But sometimes, let's just be real. Let's be real. Let's like eliminate the Christian facade. Sometimes it's easier to travel to the other side of the world to be a witness for Jesus than it is to travel next door and let your light shine before them. Because here's the thing, man, like like being a witness to the people you work with, being a witness to your neighbor, that's not prestigious. Nobody's writing a book about how I I, I, I shone my light for Jesus and never shone more than a 10 square mile radius. No, nobody's buying that book. It's not a bestseller. It's not Instagram worthy. You don't get to take pictures with exotic scenes behind you but you're just being a witness right where you're at. And so here's the the main idea. This is the one thing that if you don't get anything else that I say today, this is the one thing I think Luke wants us to understand. And it's just five words. So easy to catch this. Somebody near you needs you. Come on, let's put it up on the screen. I think we've got that slide. I want them to be able to see this. Somebody near you needs you. That's Luke's point in this whole passage. Somebody near you needs you. Somebody near you needs what you have to offer. There there is a place. I don't know if this is theologically accurate. Lord, if it isn't, Forgive me, I'm just trying to follow the trajectory of the story. There is a place where Jesus is not welcome, but you are. That's what Luke's telling us. There's a place where the only prerequisite prerequisite to be used as a witness for God is that I have already had an encounter in his presence and I've been transformed and changed Now I can display his love, grace, and power. There is a place where you work. It might be in your neighborhood. It might be on on your kid's ball team. It might be at the Y. It might be at your gym. It might be in, in the cubicle beside of you. There is a place where Jesus isn't welcome, but you are. And a lot of us, we want to hear, go to Africa, go to Brazil, but we don't want to hear, go to Go to Kempsville. <laughs> go, to, go to Deep Creek. Go to Cedar Road. No, Jesus, I want, I want to go to the ends of the earth for you. Okay, okay. Can you just go to your workplace? Can, can you just, can you go to Greenbrier and just, just shine your light? Why, why do we, Why do we have that statement at the end? 
We exist to lead people to pursue the presence of God so that they openly display his love, grace, and power throughout Hampton Roads because we recognize that at this season and this time, we have been called home. Go home. Start here. Then go anywhere. Go home. So I want to give you a couple really practical next steps. The first one is obvious. Like, we want you to invite people. Invite your friends, family, coworkers, and don't just stop with one invite. Like, well, I invited them once three years ago, and they said no. Check in with them again. Hey, hey, I just want, we're about to start a new series coming up sometime. I don't know whenever we finish this one. Uh, invite, like, hey, I think you should just go show up my church. Or a couple weeks, we're going to have a guest speaker on August 11th. Uh, uh, Matt and Emma back, they're going to be back with us uh, from, they were here last fall, and they're going to be back. And, and hey, August, why don't you come to church with me? We've got a, a new, like a guest speaker. It's going to be different. It's going to be awesome. Why don't you show up? Invite them. And then here's the thing. Once you invite them once, don't, and they come, you're probably going to have to invite them again. They're not, they're not thinking like you think. You mean I'm welcome to come back anytime? Yes, once you come the first time, you're family. Like, yes, come on, you're, you're welcome here. But they don't know that, so invite them again. But here's, here's where I'm going to just kind of get as vulnerable as I can. That's, that's, that's one next step. But there's another next step that we need to take as a church. Over the last nine years, our efforts at outreach and, and getting outside of the buildings we've met in have been at best hit and miss. Mostly it's been primarily event-oriented. We're going to do this thing. We're going to pump some free gas. We're going to, we're going to host this event for the community. We'll come out and enjoy that. We're going to, you know, this, this one week of the year, we're going to try to, like, get into the neighborhood and, and maybe, like, pay for somebody's, I don't know, laundry to be washed. Or, like, most of the things we've done outreach have been event-oriented, and this is sad to say, man, and, and this has been some repenting between, between us and God saying, Lord, forgive us. They've been sporadic, hit and miss. And I want, I want you to understand something. In this next season of our church, that has to change. That has to change, man. Has to change. Why? Why does that have to change? Because we've been assigned, y'all. We've been called by God. Throw up the, the next slide. We've been called by God to the, the one with the vision statement on it. We've been called by God to lead people. We can't lead people if we stay in this room. We've been called to lead people to pursue the presence of God so that they openly display His love, grace, and power. Where? Throughout Hampton Roads. We can't do that and keep everything in the walls of this building. So where do we start? Here's what, here, here's how we're going to end today. This is our altar call. If you need prayer, okay, if you came today and you want to receive special prayer, we're going to do that after this, so just hang around. One of us will pray with you. But, but here's what I want to do today, because this has got to change. Like, this has to change. We can't be a church that only does outreach sporadically, event-oriented, and not have a relationship with people. How many lost people do we know? How many neighborhoods would be, would be sad if our church collapsed? 
How many little kids would be like, oh man, I really miss that big guy who used to show up once a week or once a month and they just came and they threw football with us, but he, he, he showed me the love of God. My life was changed. But we don't have that. We don't have that. We don't have a relationship. Nobody in the community. They know us because of our signs. Jesus said they would know us because of our love. Because of our love. Not because of our marketing. Not because we put a sign on the corner of the road. But because they knew us from our love, man. They knew this is the place where the love of God dwells. And I just think we got to change that. And I don't have all the answers. Pastor Brian doesn't have all the answers. So here's what we want to do. If God is stirring that in your heart, if he's not, I get it. It'll come eventually, I believe. But if he's stirring that in your heart, here's what I'm going to do in just a second. I want you to respond physically. I'm going to ask you to stand up, step out, and walk forward. That's what I'm going to ask you to do. If God is stirring in your heart, Listen, nobody move. We'll get the kids checked out eventually. If God is speaking to you, I don't want you to feel like you got to go do that and you can't respond to this, all right? We'll take care of them. I want you to stand up here in just a second. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And if God is stirring in your heart where you're like, Pastor, I've been thinking about that. I'm so glad you said something because that's on my heart too. I want to invite you to help us come up with some answers to come up with some ideas. We don't have them all. They're in you. They're not in my head. They're in your heart. The only thing God has done is he's opened my eyes and said, son, this has to change. So I'm telling you, this has got to change. This has to change. In order to, in order to fulfill that, this has to change. So I'm going to pray. If God is moving on your heart. I want you to stand up, step out, and walk forward. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share some information with you right here in the altar, just right here in this space. I want you to respond because there's something that happens when we make a, a physical action towards the call of God, the assignment of God in our life. Something shifts in our heart, okay? Something shifts. And so that's why we're doing it this way. That's why it's not on your connection card. That's why it's not like, hey, sign up outside. No, no, no. What's going to, you're going to come forward. I'm going to give you some information. We're going to take your name down. We're going to follow up with you. And we're going, to, we're going to start brainstorming how we're going to change this. What's this going to look like? Street team, outreach team. I don't know what it's going to be called. But here's what I know. Here's the focus of the entire passage. There was one man deeply distressed and in need of a touch from God. And Jesus crossed the sea, went through a raging storm, to find one man who needed salvation, who needed healing. Because wherever humans are in pain, the healing message of Jesus needs to be proclaimed. So we gotta get to it. We gotta get to it. Let me pray for you. Let me invite everybody. Actually, I'm gonna invite everybody to go ahead and stand up all over the room. Stand up. Whether you support it or not, whether you're in or not, you're gonna stand up right now because we're gonna pray. When I say amen, at the moment I say amen, if God is stirring in your heart, I want you to step out and come forward. If you need prayer, hang out with us. We're just going to share some information, take down some names, and then we'll be happy to pray with you. God's 
God's favor and provision over your life. But I want to pray over us today. And then I want you to respond if God is moving on your heart. Lord, we thank you, God, for this crazy, weird, perplexing, but such a powerful experience recorded for us by the hand of Luke about this man that we recognize as all of us and it's everybody that we work with, live near, associate with, who need found, freed, and filled. And we recognize, God, you've given a call on this church, an assignment on this church throughout Hampton Roads. So God, we wanna start here, one place, maybe one neighborhood, maybe maybe one street, However you inspire us, God, wherever you take us, we want to start here so that we can go there. We want want people here to know us by our love, not our logo. God, they got to know us by our love, not our logo. So, Lord, right now, stir in our hearts. Stir in our minds. Awaken that inside of us that sees sees what could be and is willing to step out and risk the deep, stepping into the unknown to see what might be become a reality. We love you, Jesus. We're so thankful for our church, for our family. We want to see that family grow as more sons and daughters come into relationship with the Father, pursuing the presence, displaying the love, grace, and power throughout Hampton Roads. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.